Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. I'm joined uh, this week by the City of San Antonio's Chief Security Officer. So you're going to have to find out a little bit about uh, what it's like to be a C-level executive trying to protect a large municipality uh, here in America. If you're going to be able to stick with us uh, here on 1200 WAI uh, for the, the program this hour, uh, that's great. If you're going to have to hop out of your car, uh, or if you might already be listening out of your car, uh, this program is also uh, streaming live in the iHeartRadio app, which is available on your iOS Android device or via the web browser uh, on your favorite type of computer. If uh, you uh, will like to catch this uh, in replay, this will go up on our website on Tuesday, uh, July the 16th at www.cybertalkradio.com, as well as out there uh, to uh, all of the different podcasting services across the internet. And as I was just joking a little bit with our guest, it'll also go up on YouTube uh, where you can see a still photo of uh, my guest and I for the episode. We don't do any video on the program. Uh, It's a... not really a great value add for the amount of uh, time it would take to edit all of that versus uh, editing and cleaning up and uh, being able to uh, record some good content here for you uh, in our listening audience. Uh, so uh, with that, I will uh, introduce my guest and let her uh, share a little bit about her background. Patsy, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Yeah. So um, one of the, the things that we, we try to do uh, with e- each of our guests, especially folks that have rids, risen to your level of uh, career success, is uh, share for uh, the, the folks out there that maybe are the cyber patriot in middle school or high school right now, they're a parent uh, of a, a kid on a cyber patriot team, uh, is to share the stories uh, for folks so that they can and see that uh, where and how they could grow into a, a role like you have today. I'd be glad to. I never knew that this would be the role that I would choose. All I ever wanted to do was to be a uh, military member. I, at the time, I didn't really care which branch that was going to be. I just, my family's very patriotic, and my grandfather had been in every branch of the military. My dad was Army, so. That's, that's pretty tricky. That may be a story <laughs> for another episode, but it's it's hard to be able to go through every single branch. Oh, he spent a couple years in each one of them. So, wow. But the one that he went back to twice was the Navy. Yeah. So I was like, when I started looking, and my dad said no to the Army. Um, I was 17 at the time, so yeah. he was had to sign. So There you go. I'm like, okay, well, then I think it'll be Navy. So when I went into the Navy, I did not know or care what the Navy would give me to do. Um, But at the time I went in enlisted. And so I was doing personnel type work, taking care of, you know, records and those types of things. And I always said I was a people person. So then I went on and saw, well, hmm, there's enlisted and there's officer. And I really think it's better on the officer side. So I applied and I got selected. And so I went off and did a special program and then I went off to college. And then when I was in college, I was actually a psychology major. And so I guess you could say I got to where I am today by fate because you'd say, how did a psychology major turn into a chief security officer doing yeah. cyber and physical security? Um, so there was a, I guess when they merged my enlisted records with my officer records another gentleman's records and college transcripts became my college transcripts. And he was a computer science major. Oh my goodness. So, so I actually, I got married right there as I was graduating and getting uh, my commission from college and so I was used to the military. I'd been in, you know, for four years or more at this at this point. And so I had my package, and my new husband goes, are you going to open that package and see, like, what you're going to be doing? So we were headed to California. We knew that. They said I had to go to a school. So I opened up the package, and I started reading it to him. And he goes, 
I didn't know you studied computers. I thought you were psychology. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And so I look at it and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're sending me to a major computer school to learn assembler programming. Yeah. And so I get out there and I mean, people from you know, NSA from, from NASA, from yeah. MIT, they're all at the table and then there's me. Yeah. <laughs> and so anyway, they, i you know, I was at this school, said I need to make the best of this for some reason. This is what the Navy has in store for me. So I stayed every night, taught myself computers and then went into um, running um, data centers and doing Intel and cyber, you know, and security when it called cybersecurity back then. No. That was, you said 20 years, Brett. I just, this is my 40th year. So yeah. from that time when that happened. So anyway, now I went on to get my, my master's in computer science with the, at the Naval that's, Postgraduate that's the, School. That's but. the <laughs> the backwards way to go about that, by the way, listeners out there. So for, for kids on, on this, is uh, uh, did they give you scuba tanks at least? Because they just threw you straight in the deep end of the swimming pool there. Oh, they sure did. But, yeah. you know, you, you find that passion. And, and that was what, I was what I'd tell those, you know, it's like if you have a passion for something that you do, I could have gotten into this and they, like you said, they threw me in, but had I not enjoyed it, I would have never stayed with it. Yeah. I'd have done those four years and gotten out of it somehow, some way, but um, I just fell in love with it. And so that's what I've been doing for the last 40 years. Yeah. And so, so you, uh, you went through that first career and I was a joke is that when folks uh, move from either enlisted or officer or uh, out to retired status, I don't know very many people that have retired that, served our country they, they move on to a second career and it sounds like that's what what you've done for yourself as well yes we tran we transitioned so yes. i i um did my last few years in san diego and then i moved to a large consulting company that was doing dod and commercial work and that was where i you know i really started to be able to just find those um, vertical environments that i enjoyed working in from you know banking criminal justice um, doing, you know, payment card industry types of security, um, healthcare, did a lot of work for different hospitals. And, yeah. um, and then from there, I came to the city. And at, at a, a municipality, you get all of those things. You, we have uh, all sorts of records, whether they're, they're healthcare records for the employees of the city, where you, you have some of those, you have your own health plans, you accept credit cards uh, via different websites you have, you have uh, all sorts of, of uh, different types of data protection challenges at a municipality. That's true. And I think that's what helped me, you know, set up for this position is because I had worked and delivered, you know, as del made delivery and I, I managed the teams that that we went across those verticals and the company I was um, all the across those verticals horizontally for security. Yeah. And so we were also a company it was an employee owned company um, top, you know, um, 100 company. And so we had to deliver work as well as manage work. So I spent about 10 years on the delivery side. And then um, actually the rest of my time, I actually became the, the, the um, director of IT security for that company, which was over 42,000 people. So it gave me a big, a good background in being able to see all of those different types of environments and the regulatory compliance that needed to be done in each one. Yeah. So looking at the, the municipal landscape, so the uh, city of San Antonio has a chief security officer. Uh, was there a chief security officer before you at the city? No, I'm the first one. I actually started with the city in 2012 and I was their first chief information security officer. And then just recently um, became the chief security officer with a um, they, a gave, title they gave change. you all the buildings too. Yeah, well, I, I've had those since the beginning, oh. but it was. 
Yeah. So for <laughs> listeners that usually it, it is me, if I'm looking at a job title, uh, when I see chief information security officer, usually that means all the computer systems, the data centers, probably not all the rest of the physical paper records and, and physical building security. Chief security officer um, includes uh, all of those things. Every asset of the organization, the chief security officer is responsible for the, the safety and the risk management of that. But it sounds like they, they gave you both up front and just didn't, uh, you didn't have the, the job title that I would think of as an industry um, person uh, that, that covered both. That's correct. So they've, they've corrected that now or added to that, you know, and, or, um, so I think two or three weeks, about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I actually took on the title of Chief Security Officer. Yeah, well, con- congratulations for uh, official recognition of the the things you've been doing for the few years for us here now. Thank so you. as as we look across municipalities across the U.S., so San Antonio is a pretty big city, um, well-funded, uh, related to a, a lot of others. How, how many chief information security officers or chief security officers? I mean, you may not know the exact number, but it feels like a, a group where you do de- definitely have peers you talk to. But is this a common role in cities right now, or are they they're not there yet? It's pretty common in your larger um, cities and municipal governments, but not so much in the smaller ones. It's usually some type of an IT person that will have that um, that role as a collateral duty yeah um but in houston austin dallas yeah so san the, antonio the we all have big ones but like a, a new Braunfels probably does not have a chief information security no. officer no so and this is uh, for listeners out there this is one of the challenges as well uh for for businesses these days is a, a, you reach a certain size and scale you can you can add that strategic level leadership uh into your organization but for for um smaller businesses and even medium-sized businesses it's challenging um, both uh, to to be able to you you reach that point where you need access to that strategic level expertise, and this is where um, you, you should consider likely uh, some level of consulting on a ongoing basis, a, fract- a fractional or part time person to come in and look at your policies, procedures, methods, and things um, to ensure that uh, you're you're up to standard because. From a, a hacker perspective, um, if it's really hard to hack one big organization, uh, they can just hack four, four organizations that are 25% the size, and they can get the same amount of, of value. So this is the they're uh, equal opportunity offenders out there. Um, this is, is one to go uh, kind of think about if uh, as a business, as um, is, is you start to grow until you do reach that size and scale where you really can hire a strategic leader um, to think about this uh, 24-7 because the, the Internet is always on, uh, that you, you should consider bringing somebody in on a, a kind of a fractional consulting part-time basis. You're listening to 1200 WAI. This is CyberTalk Radio, and we're talking uh, with the chief security officer for the, the city of San Antonio, uh, Patsy Boozer, who's a... Uh, joined us here in in san antonio after uh, serving uh, in our navy for how many years were you in 20 20 so you just you're, you're 20 and then right on out they did at year 19 they didn't uh throw the, the slide the little offer across the table if you'll just do this for we'll give you a, a bump if you'll stay for four more or maybe they oh, did they they do and that was you decide if that's where you're gonna go next yeah uh, so during your, your time with the Navy, uh, did you get, get stationed in San Antonio at all? Or how did you you, you find your way here after, after Navy life? No, I had, um, I, when I left, I left the Navy, I was in San Diego. And so the company that I transitioned to, which I yeah. was the commercial, the commercial company doing DOD work, 
um, they had a project where they were building the um, department of the, well, actually we gained a project while I was had just first started to build the Department of Defense's public key infrastructure. And so we started, um, th that's where we started, we built that one, and then the um, Navy decided there in San Diego that they were going to um, build a, out of a PKI infrastructure. So then we bid and we won that one. And then the Air Force decided that they were going to do a PKI infrastructure. And of so course. we bid on that, and we became um, a subcontractor to the one that won that actual work. And so I opened an office here in San Antonio um, so that I could put a team here to support that contract. So I would come down and, you know, work with the team or, you know, and then started doing some other security work here for the company. And then when I decided that I was ready to sort of transition again, and um, I just, you know, the company asked if I would come here and work with that office some more. So that's how I got to San Antonio was with the other company. Yeah. And, and then, so as we were talking, it's a, Many of the, the major cities in our big four uh, in Texas all have a, a chief security officer, chief information security officer now. Um, how did the, the conversation start uh, kind of with the city of San Antonio thinking about this? Because, I mean, it sounds like we're probably moving along with many of the other the other cities, um, and they're thinking about these risks. They have it. Um, but it, was this something that, I guess, is this a role that the city manager handles um, in deciding to add into the city organization, or was this one that went through to a city council vote at some point to create the role? Well, I know the, the way, I guess, that it kind of gets started, not just here, but in many cities, you'll, you have an internal audit department, and that internal audit department will go through and look at the security posture of an organization. And when they see that, you know, there's maybe they can make a recommendation that, hey, you should have a, a formalized security department, which I think is what happened here. So, yeah. yes, that those audit findings will go all the way up. But then they made the wise decision that they needed to, you know, make a dedicated and stand up uh, an organization. So that's how that came about and then I was interviewed and became the first one in that role. As you're uh, now uh, in this for a little while and uh, what are the the kind of the risks that you think about and, and to, to help listeners out there from a, the strategic level because the, the um, I think folks get caught up in this zero-day exploit thing and there's always some fancy new latest greatest thing that the the bad guys are coming up with all the time and um, those are the, the, the things that you, you can't control what the new exploit's going to be tomorrow. Um, but you, you can have processes and other things in place to help you, you mitigate and defend against whatever it is that the new thing that happens tomorrow. So, so uh, from a, an overall perspective, so you're, you're thinking about risk, both the, the physical uh, protection of, of buildings and people and records to the digital protection of information about the employees of the city, the um, residents of the city and, and all of the other um, folks that you, you collect and, and have data and information on so that you can function as a municipality. Um, so, yeah, how do you, you walk through on, on that overall um, risk posture and, and your thoughts on, on how to think about it from uh, every resource, every organization has some limits to their resources. You can't go d do everything everywhere. Um, so how do you, how do you prioritize Okay, well, when I came to, let me just go back to when I came to the city, being that it, there was not an, you know, an official security organization, however, there was security work being done. Um, and so it was like, let me just come in, I did a gap analysis to look at, you know, where I thought 
um, things um, had been properly positioned, had processes and procedures behind them, and then to see what framework I thought would actually work best. Because security is always about risk, whether you're going to mitigate it or you're going to accept it or you're going to insure against it, right? Um, And so I looked at the fact that it is, you know, a local government. It um, does, so it looked like the best framework to use would have been the NIST um, framework. And so I chose the 853. Uh, framework because that is also what the internal auditors were auditing against. Yeah. Um, when I looked at the fact that it had payment card systems and the payment card industry is again um, based on NIST standards, and then I looked at the criminal justice and the FBI system is based on NIST standards, um, and then we had the healthcare, the HIPAA, and the high tech is also based on NIST standards. It just made sense not to go with an ISO. Um, type of environment, but to, you know, a framework, but to go with NIST. Um, and so I laid out that and looked at across all of those um, controls and then said, okay, where is it that we're going to, to how am I going to get this started? Yeah. So then taking those NIST controls, lining them up with the SANS top 20 um, and, you know, asset inventories, knowing where everything is. So I just started doing a, you know, risk-based assessments and so that we can, can make sure that everywhere that I thought we would have a potential vulnerability, I could get something in place to do that. And it's, you know, we continue that today. Now NIST has come out with the cybersecurity framework. Um, and so we've, I've adopt, we've adopted that as well and using those controls to, to build out the, to the cybersecurity framework. But, you know, for example, if maybe a new software is wanting to be purchased or a new system is wanting to be purchased, the first thing we do is we, we do a risk assessment to see, does that blend with what the city is already using? Is that something that we can put good controls around? You know, it's all about balance. Yeah. Can we balance what the operational needs are with what we need the security of the environment to be and what our regulatory requirements are, you know, if it's going to be a new um, credit card system or something that does have um, that component to it. And then once we go through all of that, we look at the architecture, we look at how we're going to do vendor management, if it's going to be a third party, you know, vendor involved. I mean, so we lay all of that out. And then it comes to that risk decision as to we, you know, we can do this, we can um, put the, you know, these controls in place, it's we can satisfy it here. And then if there's anything that's left over as residual risk, then it's like, um, how are we going to, you know, manage to that if this is the solution that we see going forward? And we'll do that with, you know, our hardware, with our software, with, you know, large major purchases and systems. And because it's, you know, you don't just buy something because you like what it looks and feels like. Yeah, yeah. Tools and, and technology purchases uh, don't solve problems they can be used to solve problems but just buying something and putting it on a shelf somewhere does not solve the problem on its own um, that's one I think that a lot of uh, younger security professionals they're like well I'll just buy this thing we'll plug it in and it will fix everything and um, unless you understand the where you're plugging it in which risks it's really mitigating and is it going to be configured updated and maintained to, to handle those over time um, just a technology purchase is on its own you can't just buy something and then um, be done with it. Yeah, and we take the same approach with our security tools because, yeah. I mean, it's people, processes, and technology. And I can buy the, the most whiz-bang technology out there, but if I don't have the people and I have, don't have them trained to be able to understand it, and if we don't have the processes in place that can maintain it, and I don't mean just processes within the security team, 
you know, our service desk and, uh, and our service coordinators have to be able to answer the calls, take in the intake types of questions, our client service techs have to be able to handle it out there in the environment because we're in, you know, over 500 and some buildings around the city. Yeah. So. And lots of mobile employees that are uh, working with laptops on the go. Um, his citizens demand that their city comes and serves them where they are in, in many different cases. Um, and I guess with the, so with the city of San Antonio, so you have the, the city staff, but then the city of San Antonio is different from many other municipalities out there where, um, the city also, um, is owns CPS for the electricity saws on the, the water side. And then you coordinate, um, kind of closely with Bear County who overlaps quite a bit with the city of San Antonio, but not exactly because there's other municipalities in, in, in the, the area, um, and then you have other separate departments that function um, more autonomously, the, the, the police and fire and, and some of these other areas. Uh, and so how does that kind of risk portfolios? You have all these different entities that you interact with on a regular basis. Um, you Like with the county, I'm sure there's record systems and things that send information back and forth all the time, um, whether it's for uh, property taxes or other areas where stuff is connected. Um how do, how does that partnership work across all those entities? I think um, I see City of San Antonio as a, a kind of a unique set of challenges. Well, I mean, we're a large city with seventh largest in the country, and we do have a lot of those municipal partnerships, but that's exactly what they are. They're partnerships. So we still have interconnection agreements. We still have data use agreements. We still have all the, the governing types of um, documents and processes in place so that when we share information, we share it securely. We share it in a, in a you know, in a means that's going to keep each of those um, partners still in control of their data because a data owner, yes. um, you know, is is still the one that's held accountable for the for data. Um, so we look to make sure that um, we have information sharing where we can. We still, you know, manage to the fact that. You know, there may be some areas where that information is um, agency sensitive. We follow the state data classification of public data sensitive and confidential. So we're very careful, um, you know, that we have all of those agreements in place. Um, user provisioning is a big, you know, part of what we do. We make sure that uh, when we provision someone into our system that it, it's been vetted, that um, we know who we're giving access to, that we're not giving them privileges beyond what they need for that business operation. And then we monitor that to make sure that, you know, because that's where it's going to get you in trouble is if you just, you open an account and you give it more privilege than what it needs. Yeah. Principle of least privilege just goes, right. yeah, right back to uh, many of the things you were trained on in your, your, your first 20 years of your career. Yeah, and that that access control. I mean, is that this is uh, for listeners out there? This is a key one that I'll I'll hit on again here. Is that um, most of the the time, data breaches and these other things um, don't come again from some hacker figuring out some crazy zero day exploit to get into the system. Um, usually, they they gain access to an authorized user's account through. Uh, potentially the compromise of that authorized user's computer because that computer's not been patched or updated um, or that authorized user um, picked a poor password or picked the same password across multiple systems because an organization doesn't have those type of policies in place. And um, and that's usually how the data ends up getting exfiltrated. It's um, if, you, again, you've got some team with a bunch of super fancy uh, hacking tools and, and unknown exploits out there, um, 
they're going to probably get in and, and take the information they want and they might get out without anyone ever knowing about it. Um, but that's uh, not what uh, most of the, the exploits and the, the challenges you see for both public and private sector entities. Uh, we are uh, going to head here into a, a quick bottom of the hour break for a news, traffic, and weather update if you're listening to us uh, live on 1200 WAI. If you uh, are listening to this via podcast, uh, thank you for uh, being a subscriber there. You, know, you can reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter at CyberTalk Radio and let us know uh, what you like about the program, uh, what you would uh, want to hear from future guests. Uh, and you can uh, also have an uh, opportunity to ask uh, me and uh, the CyberTalk Radio team uh, any questions uh, you would like uh, our perspective and thoughts on. Uh, so uh, with that, uh, we will be right back after the bottom of the hour break. Cyber Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran, and I'm joined this week by Patsy Boozer, the uh, Chief Security Officer for the City of San Antonio, the first in the uh, history of the City of San Antonio. And if uh, you're a municipal government out there and you're thinking, oh, man, I, we probably need one, you, you likely do, or you need a consultant coming in at least to help think about through many of the things uh, that Patsy talked about. If there's if no one on your city leadership uh, staff that knows uh, the different NIST frameworks, uh, chances are you need someone on your staff somewhere that knows those. Uh, or if you're you're not using NIST, if you, you wanted to go a different route for some reason, uh, could be a good conversation to have uh, with Patsy uh, and to see if she can steer you in the, the correct direction. I'm going to say I'll, as a, the host of this program and with a little bit of background in these, these type of things as well, uh, I would uh, agree with uh, you heading that route rather than uh, ISO or or some of the the other ones that won't uh, really I think directly map to to all of the areas because the municipal government's complicated. I mean, so you you've got uh, residents out there like me that I want to be able to to do use three one one on my mobile phone now. We've got the three one one SA app. We've actually had a. The City Flag folks, which is one of your your vendor partners, that whole vendor and contract management piece, we've had them as guests on the program, uh, talking uh, about uh, the 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 project they had there with the Office of Innovation in the city, uh, and how they um, kind of got that set up and and have allowed a, a new flexibility for folks. So if you're not familiar with dialing 311 on your phone, um, that's the way you could reach out and get access to all sorts of city services. You can still dial 311 on your phone and the team will answer and they'll they'll take care of you there. But you can also get the 311 SA app on your, your iOS or Android device um, and go directly in. So if you needed to report uh, a city code violation or graffiti, you can just take a picture of it with your cell phone. The GPS coordinates pop right in and that gets sent off to a, a city office and dispatches and connects into some ticketing system that you're responsible for the security of there, Patsy. That's correct. Yeah. And I mean, this is the, the real challenges as you, you have um, the residents there that are, are want um, cities to be uh, responsive and digital and uh, available, uh, whether it's it's getting access to 311 or whether it's paying a parking ticket, which you can do online now and you can go into uh, your local HEB and you can pay that there and, and you, you don't necessarily for things like a parking ticket have to go down to the courthouse anymore. That's correct. Yeah. 
So uh, I, I know we, you, you've done those couple of things there that we've talked about a little bit. Um, during that uh, bottom of the hour break, we were, were chatting. I guess there's some new legislation that just went through uh, up in Austin at the, the state level here that's um, rolling out new security requirements. Well, maybe new for some cities and counties, but uh, it sounds like San Antonio's uh, already on top of them. You sound pretty, uh, I guess, happy that this is happening and, and going to help you and, and your, your peers across the state um, raise that bar again a little bit. Yes, they added one for um, making sure that you had annual security awareness training. And I'm a firm believer that security awareness training is where you start. If you don't do anything else, you educate your users. And we talked a little bit about, you know, you don't leave your house open and the door unlocked um, and go to work. You will lock your door. You probably put an alarm system or a ring doorbell or whatever you're going to put on your house. Well, you don't come and leave us a computer system wide open anyway. So we yeah. like to we like to train our users that it's we want a um, a culture of security at the city, and we want them to be educated so that it becomes part of muscle memory, not just that they have to think about oh well this happened what should I do or I got this email um, I wonder if the security team has taken care of this you know we want them to think on their own and just know that they should challenge something and then report what they need to report because they've been made aware of it we're big on doing you know looking at tabletop exercises and those types of things so so that when a user sees it it's not the first time they've seen it yeah no that's great and um, from a a cost perspective out there though for for folks not in the the security side of the world um, the security awareness program is one of the most affordable things you can do as well especially when you look at the um amount of improvement that a high quality security awareness training program will provide in the security of your organization um, then really that that cost benefit analysis yeah it's it i completely agree start there um, because without that without the proper training in place for folks just to help them um, do the right thing because no one shows up to to work in the morning and goes i want to get exploited by a hacker today and cause a giant problem for patsy and her team i guarantee no city of the san antonio employee comes in my number one goal for today is to to make a really a mistake that i wish i would have had some security training um to protect me from so that i can cause a big headache for my boss and my department and the the city i work for yeah i mean my goal is to have water cooler or lunch table type conversations you know after they take our security awareness training i want them to be thinking about it and then say oh did you know about this or you know and then when i see them they'll you know they'll ask and you know hey you know is what else could i do and those types of things so uh, we make and again the the new policy is is that there needs to be annual security you know annual training so we and within the 90 days of hire so that's the program that we've already implemented all of our new users get it and then they repeat it every year yeah Oh, that's great stuff. And yeah, the one, uh, if, so listeners out there, if you see a, a little USB thumb drive laying on the floor of the parking garage, it says confidential, secret, sensitive information, please don't pick it up and plug it into your computer. Uh, those are the kind of things you learn in the security awareness training program. Uh, hackers love to put bad things on those and just go toss them on the floor of a parking garage because they know people are going to pick it up and plug it into a computer. Um, that's a no-no. Um, we, we heard about a, a national level example of this, and, and this is to where security awareness training as well, uh, it's important. Um, that the, the number one most important thing is uh, to be on the security awareness is slow down. Um, if you're in a hurry, you're rushing, you're having a, a bad day, you're behind schedule, um, 
those are the, the spots where you, you end up getting compromised, whether you're either, you're either in a hurry or you're super excited about something, um, you'll, you'll make that step in judgment. So those areas where you, you get super excited or you're having a really bad day, you're super behind schedule, um, and you're trying to rush through things, try not to do anything that could, uh, at th- those points in time, um, step away from, from risky activities, whether it's going through opening up emails that you really probably don't need to be checking right at that point in time or um, a- answering questions to somebody who called you on the phone without double-checking uh, a canary code or whatever else you do to verify that that person really is who they say they are on the phone. Um, take the time to do those things because uh, that's when bad stuff happens. One example of this, um, we had a, a, a Chinese operative that went down to uh, Mar-a-Lago in Florida here earlier this year. The, they got caught down there, and the, the Secret Service agents that, that caught them got really excited. They caught a foreign operative, and they got some USB sticks and a bunch of stuff from them, and one of them took it, and they were really excited. And this is someone with a ton of security awareness training. This is a Secret Service cyber crimes person. They plugged it into their laptop. Luckily, that laptop was not on any real production network because that USB stick started doing trying to do all sorts of bad stuff to to that agent's laptop. So um, this is one as well, like where everyone's going to have those bad days. They're gonna, you're going to have a spot where you're in a hurry and you make a mistake. Please speak up about it as quickly as possible. Um, you're, it, it's eventually the, the cyber trail of breadcrumbs are going to find their way back to you. So the, the sooner you uh, admit to that, what you did, and you help the team that's running an incident response and investigating, um, the happier everyone in the organization is going to be with you at the end of the day. Yeah, because we'll find it. Yeah, no, the, 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 the digital trail of breadcrumbs always leads back eventually. So the, the other one on this is, uh, I guess, that, that um, Texas, at, at least at the, the municipal level now, is, is mirroring California on the, the 60-day uh, data breach notification rules well, and requirements yeah, as it, well. It's a, actually you know, a, state, a state legislation, so that's what they're writing into the Texas Business and Commerce Code is that um, if there's over 250 Texans that would be um, – affected by a breach now i always remind people that first thing we see might be an incident and then that gets evaluated and then um, well actually there's an event and then that gets evaluated it might become an incident and then if the incident shows that something has been uh, released that shouldn't have been then that becomes a breach and at that point um, the legislation says you've got 60 days to make notification to the attorney general Unless law enforcement says it would impede a criminal justice and from um, investigation, but you know that is a good you know that that's a good policy because it it helps you know I mean I'm not just a security officer I'm also a citizen and a you know a resident here so you know I want to know when my information um, has been breached and I was part of. Uh, um, you know, the, some of the military ones. Yeah, you probably, <laughs> yeah, you, you got a letter from OPM. I got I OPM, guess. I got TRICARE. So yeah. I've been, you know, I've been down this path and been on the receiving side. Yeah, and, and uh, I guess this is just a, a good one to talk about from the receiving side of the perspective. So you, you, you got those letters as a, a citizen uh, on those. Uh, did you, you, you panic and go change your social security number or anything? No, I pretty much already had, you know, every bank account has a code word on it. It has... You know, you can't give it out to anyone, you know, and then I protect my passcodes and I make them so extremely long that no one would even want to try to, you know, when you start getting to 15 digits and just take the old military. Um, I know there's different 
thoughts about, well, you get over eight or nine and, you know, you haven't really increased your complexity, but I tend to go the military route and do, yeah. do 15. Just, yeah, just double it up wherever you, you need. Yes, yes, and if I want to get credit, I have to go and have them um, unlock my credit accounts and all of that. So I don't want to say I'm paranoid, but I am sensitive to yeah, and, and I mean, me. that's one of those things as well, just from a, protecting yourself as an individual um, is is doing some of those different things. And this is like we've uh, had some folks on uh, the program we'll be talking about traveling overseas in those areas. And if you're doing that, um, bringing with you a, uh, a debit card that may be linked to an account that you only have a limited amount of funds in. You don't need to carry the debit card with you to the account that has all of your funds in it. Correct. Yeah, and, and and those sorts of little operational controls. So if something does happen there, that it's a small incident instead of a big incident. And that's, I mean, I guess really as you, you talked about the the risk mitigation on many of these things is if you put enough mitigation controls into place, then when something does happen, because things will always happen, um, that you it's small enough that it's easy uh, to to deal with and handle. Yeah, and the banking industry has great fraud departments. So, I mean, I'm sure we've all had our credit cards compromised online. And, you know, I don't like getting that call um, that says, this is the fraud department, you know, and you need to do this. But then um, I'm thankful for that because, uh, yeah, no, I was not here in San Antonio today and also in Oklahoma um, last night making that purchase. Yeah, and and, um, credit cards as well, this is uh, one, it's, pretty easy to get a new credit card number the credit card companies make this all real easy these days so um yeah if you have that call just tell them please issue me a new card don't argue with them about it um it's just it's easy to get a new credit card other stuff it's trickier um to to get another one that's why i think um you you look at at healthcare records and other ones those are things that from a, a data protection perspective we've got to keep extra care of because Healthcare records have facts in them. You can't change facts. You can mm-hmm. change a credit card number. Uh, but Usually contain your Social Security number, and you know we can't change that. Not so. very easily, yeah. <laughs> it's a, that, that's a, a complicated one to go yeah. change. But I, I've, I've had um, some folks reach out to me and ask, well, like my Social Security number got compromised in this, this notice. Should I go get a new Social Security number issued? And not really. I mean, it's... It, 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 the social security number the, you should really be asking whatever organization that was using your social security number as an identifier unless it's the social security office to stop using your social security number ask that ask them if you can provide them with a nine digit number that is just not your social security number make up your own number you ask their organization if you're really concerned about your social security number being entered in a whole bunch of different systems you're listening to 1200 wai this is cyber talk radio and i'm discussing uh, all of the challenges that, uh, of uh, securing a large municipality uh, with the chief security officer of the city of San Antonio. If you uh, just hopped in your car right now and wanted to hear this in full, uh, you can look it up on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com on Tuesday, July the 16th. It'll also go out there on all the different podcasting services across the internet. And if you have a favorite podcasting service where you listen to programs uh, and uh, you do not see CyberTalk Radio on that service, please let us know at CyberTalk Radio on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, we will fix that and we will get you a CyberTalk Radio t-shirt uh, for making us aware of uh, yet another podcasting service out there uh, across the internet. Uh, if you uh, do want to continue listening and you're, you're hopping out of your car right now, the iHeartRadio streaming app works on iOS, Android devices, or as well at uh, iHeartRadio.com uh, on your PC or Mac uh, via your web browser. And you can uh, just go to the 1200 WAI button, 
um, in that application and uh, continue listening to this program. Uh, you no longer need an AM radio to actually listen to AM radio anymore. Uh, so, uh, Patsy, one of the other ones we're talking, we're here in the, the middle of summer, and it sounds like you, you have some interns um, in your, your department this year. Uh, yeah, we do. We, for many years, have at least 2012 when I um, came here, we started having interns, uh, high school students during the summer. Um, throughout the year, we'll have interns maybe at the college level. We also have an ambassador program, um, so I have two ambassadors this year as well. Yeah. So for for those interested in, in interning uh, for the city of San Antonio, go check out their website. Um, there's information there about that ambassador program, the internship opportunities, uh, as well. If you're in the, the high school level, if you're a, a student, uh, reach out to your counselor, um, ask them to get in contact with SA Works, um, and that'll get your your high school involved in the the overall internship uh, program that SA Works runs, that the city of San Antonio participates in. Uh, for high school internship o- over the summer. So f- for for interns, uh, uh, and this is, is always one, of, what kind of projects do you get them to w- work on? Well, we've, um, in the past, sometimes it, you know, it might be helping us put a new process in place where we might need to have some, you know, testing done. Um, but they usually will sit with one of the security analysts and they'll learn, you know, maybe some of the technology that we're using and then we'll have them come back and give us feedback on whether or not, you know, they can use our documentation to kind of work through those different um, technologies. And if we get a lot of good lessons learned, they might say, well, I wasn't quite sure what this was. Well, that helps us fine tune our documentation. So usually the first year, because I want them to become familiar with the system. So that's just a good way every year to to have them go through it and then help me with any cleanup that we might need to do. But um, sometimes we will put them out in like um, in the departments when the when the team goes out and then they'll get to observe like what really goes on. If there's you know someone has a um, an issue with they can't connect to something or is something that they think might be one of the security technologies. So then they get to help and they learn troubleshooting. Um, then I also will get them to kind of walk with me through some of the risk assessments. So if when you know when a, an exception to policy might come through, um, it's a good time for them to help do some of the research. Say you know, and then we'll you know, what do you think about this? Should we or should we not allow this? What kind of you know? I'll walk them through like threat trees. You know, how do you create a threat tree? How do you know um, whether or not this should be something that we we should be concerned about, and we need to put a, a more elevated level of protection against it. And they've got, you know, they've gotten training. Most of them, they're either through Cyber Patriot or they're coming through some of the, um, like uh, the first three interns I had came from Alamo Colleges. They were extremely intelligent. Not that they haven't all been, but they were just extremely intelligent for 11th graders, you know, because I had them when they were 11th grade going into 12th. And it was amazing how much they already knew. And then through that summer, as they got to get hands-on, they saw that how they could take the academic side and make it practical and then so by the end of the time they were able to say you know I think this is really what I want to do I think this is you know the calling that I have and I try to work them through like I might keep them on the the tactical side where they're doing security analysis and then move them over to database so that they can see what some database security looks like or um, so that they get a more of a glimpse of the different disciplines because security is not just one thing right you know it's many multiple disciplines yeah now that's uh your, your first one there's one of my my favorite things with uh 
the interns as well because they're, they're coming at things uh, truly at this point as a full digital native with a whole set of expectations uh, on how things work and is handing them that process documentation to, to complete a task or, or to go through uh, a certain uh, flow to, to execute something. And uh, they'll give you real candid feedback, um, both from a, a security perspective if they get um, blocked by certain things or um, ex- see fine things, but also from a usability perspective and a user experience perspective, which can uh, really help an organization, um, not just during that summertime uh, with that one specific intern, but if you update that process and procedure, uh, helps the, the organization going forward. And and you with them, you, you get that fresh set of eyes that doesn't have any institutional knowledge whatsoever. So it, it makes that sure that that documentation stands on its own. Yeah. And then sometimes I'll actually ask them to to take the, you know, a procedure that we think the the populace should know and then they'll help me create a really innovative looking presentation because that is not the skill set that, you know, some of myself and the team have. So it, I've gotten some great presentations out of my interns as well. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I um, love it out there for for schools um, teaching that those presentation and communication skills, even to folks on a technical uh, track, is is very important because you're having to distill down complicated topics and communicate them out to an audience that's not going to be a, a domain expert in whatever you're, you're talking about, whether this is cybersecurity or anything else. Um, so uh, please uh, teach and, and help on that communication side of things as it's it's one that's critically important now and, and will continue to be um, even as the world gets more complicated. I think it's going to increase in importance as these students um, move um, out of the education phase uh, of their life into their careers. So uh, after those internships, if someone uh, wanted to, to come work for you, are there any jobs uh, available right now with the city of San Antonio? Yes, on sanantonio.gov under the, the jobs announcements, we, I have one IT analyst position that's currently being interviewed um, for. So. so, And if you're listening to this via podcast in the future, go to uh, the your favorite search engine, put in a City of San Antonio careers, jobs, uh, or I'd like to work for the City of San Antonio, those sorts of things your search engine should be able to figure out and get you to that careers page. Um, and, and so let's take this this IT analyst one as a, a just to talk through. So uh, what um, are the kind of requirements for for that role, uh, and and uh, what are the things you, you're looking for in that hiring process? Well, one of the requirements is a bachelor's degree, three years of IT experience, and then the types of things that I'm looking for is um, willingness to learn. You know, I would like to see that they've had some type of security experience, whether it's they've got their Security Plus or that they've worked in this, you know, in that in the industry in some way within security but that's not everything sometimes it's just that they they want they want to come in they want to use the skills that they have and they want to add to those skills um, because sometimes it's it's easy you know it's easier to train someone who is just saying I'm really interested in security um, and then we do a lot of re- requirements you know um, analysis right so we have to go through all the regulatory requirements and we have to map requirements to actual implementations. So if, if you know, if they've got that ability to, in this part of you know, what we interview for, is how do you take this requirement? Now, what would you do with that? How would you help secure that? Um, so I do, you know, look for those types of things just to see how they think on their feet. And, 
Yeah, because this is and and this is uh, for those outside the cybersecurity industry, folks here, cybersecurity analysts, and they're like, "Well, that's like the most junior boring thing ever." Not in and maybe in the financial analyst, maybe on the finance side. Yeah, that that one's probably not as exciting. It's the security analyst goes all the way up. That's a whole career track inside of the cybersecurity world, and um, it, you're the one doing uh, a, a lot of the the complicated problem solving um, in in all sorts of different scenarios. So uh, I, if you're out there thinking about a career uh, in cybersecurity, uh, I would say don't, don't shy away from that analyst title. Um, there's, there's, it's a, one, a great place um, if you're headed into to start, because it sounds like you're hiring for an analyst one. Um, but as you move up that analyst uh, career progression, it goes along just like um, many other different fields inside the security world. Um, it's its 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 own area where people actually stay analysts for a whole career. The city's a lot of things, but it's not boring because no. you're going to run everything from, you know, working with perimeter technology systems, endpoint systems, pen testing, um, payment card application, and you know, system analysis. So, yeah, you'll get a lot of experience. Yeah, you get the employee ID badges with chips in them. Yeah, all sorts of fancy stuff the city has these That's days. That's right. So, yeah. yeah. We just implemented PIV I cards. Yeah. So, uh, Patsy, thank you very much for uh, joining us and uh, for choosing to uh, – I'm going to call your your service with the city is uh, serving us again here in your, your second career. Uh, hopefully, you, you stay with the city and uh, continue to uh, do all the things to uh, manage and improve uh, our risk posture on a daily basis. I love it. You are listening to 1200 WAI, and this was Cyber Talk Radio. Uh, you can uh, check out all of our past episodes uh, on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com, uh, as well as uh, out there across all the podcasting services on the Internet. Uh, if you would uh, like us to feature you as a guest or have an idea for a, a guest you would like to see on the program, uh, reach us at Cyber Talk Radio on Facebook or Twitter.